Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere. Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Joining us for the first part of this week's episode is AJ from Steinbrenner Racing. We're going to talk just a little bit about the Rod Campbell Award. So AJ, first off, thanks for joining. And I'll let you take this wherever you want to start here. And uh, we'll we'll see where this takes us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, so the Rod Campbell Award is something that got me my start in racing. Um, I'm a young guy. I'm 25 years old. And I was looking for a way in. I was in my first year of law school and I knew that racing is where I wanted to end up as someone that had no connections to anybody in the sport. That was something that proved to be pretty difficult. I was emailing teams just like they tell you to do, whether it was IndyCar, IMSA, even some folks in the Asian Law Series. I was just like, at this point, hey, you know, why not? Um, yeah, this yeah. is the goal. You have to, you know, you have to really go for it if that's what you really want to do. And Luckily enough, I found uh, this thing called the Rod Campbell Award when I was on Racer.com one day and applied and uh, heard back. Turned out I was uh, lucky enough to win, and uh, it led to this absolutely life-changing summer for me uh, that got me my start. Uh, Steinbrenner Racing is involved in the award. Thankfully, they liked me enough that uh, they kept me around a little bit, so <laughs> uh, I've been there ever since. But it's something that there's been – it's in its fourth year this year, and so far all, all three award winners have gone on to find full-time roles in racing and it's really been something to launch our careers um and for me it was when nobody else would give me a shot so it's something that i will always appreciate so a i guess this is kind of a two-part question a you know what do you currently do for steinbrenner and b the other award winners kind of what roles have they either you know come from or, or gone into so people who might be listening and either want to apply or know somebody who you know can apply like you know what types of positions should they be in or would they be in sure so i mean first off the award is for anyone that's you know age 18 to 23 that's just interested in a career in motorsports it's on the commercial pr and business side basically so if you're in the marketing pr sales um any interest in working in that side of sport so basically if you don't want to be an engineer you don't want to be a driver you don't want to be a mechanic this is for you. Um, so on my end, you know, I was, you know, just starting off in law school. My background was not business at all, but I know that, you know, realistically, this is the direction that I was, you know, going to go in. So now I'm the partnerships and activations coordinator for Steinbrenner while I finish up, you know, this is my last year of law school. So it's a little bit of a transition year for me personally, while I still hope to be doing any commercial things, because it's honestly so much fun and also very rewarding to get to meet a lot of the individuals that choose to partner with you and you know trust you with their business and you get to uh, be part you know a small part of helping them grow um 
So, you know, that's what we're doing right now, or what I'm doing right now with Steinbrenner. Uh, but with the first uh, award winner, Cedric Burhart, so he went on to now he manages the TopCon positioning system sponsorship for James Rowe in Indy Next. So okay. he's been managing that program now for three years, and they started with HMD and then moved over to Andretti. And every year, not only has it turned out to be profitable for TopCon, but it's actually grown every year, and their investment continues to grow in the sport because uh, they do the team of Cedric and James do incredibly well for that program. And they're now a leader in the industry with repaving racetracks, not just the United States, but globally. So that program's gone you know, incredibly well for them. And our most recent winner, Madison Connor, uh, she is just graduated from the Ohio State University. Uh, she went to school for journalism and she's now found a position with RTD Media, which is one of the, the large companies. It's led by Mike Marini. From, he also runs HMD Motorsports. Yep. Uh, for Henry, but um, so now she's over there working, just starting her career over there after going through her summer this past year. So you mentioned that you were in law school when you applied for this position. For anyone listening who's interested, do you have to have necessarily the credentials like that a company be looking for? Is it more about like the passion and the willingness to learn? What would you say is kind of the balance there? Absolutely the latter. It's all about the passion about the sport, the passion about wanting to learn, the willingness to learn, because that was a big thing about this award is it's to honor Rod Campbell's legacy. So Rod Campbell, for those of us that don't know, which quite frankly, I was one of those people before I applied and before I uh, fortunately received the award, he was a huge figure in the marketing side of racing. He saw his first race while he was serving in the army. Uh, he saw a Formula One race over in Germany, came back, eventually started his own marketing company, which then you know was um you know really big with ford and many other large uh, companies that were in racing indycar nascar imsa formula one you name it so it's now this is all of his proteges because he was well known for starting people's careers in racing it's all of his proteges coming together and doing this as a collective group so it's you know jeff swoboda with um he works a lot with bha but also you know works with really a large collection of the people in the group <laughs> um but also you have Sean Jones, who's a partner at BHA and Steinbrenner. Um, you know, Steve Medencia, who worked in digital collectibles and had his own company. Of course, Townsend Bell and so many other amazing people that are in this group and all had the same mentor. So that's what it's really about. Like the credentials are something that, you know, of course, you know, is going to be on your application. But at the end of the day, that is not all the most important thing. We've had finalists from all sorts of fields that they're studying, doing all sorts of different things. Law school had exactly zero to do with this for me it would just happen to be you know my route to get into racing because coming out of undergrad i was like well poli sci that's not really going to do it um you know everybody <laughs> needs a lawyer so hey let's let's play race cars that way right <laughs> so yeah just the you know the passion and willingness to learn and being someone that they can look to as someone that might be a featured leader of the industry that will really honor rod's legacy is you know what we're really looking for so i only have one more question and it's more of a let you plug but a where do people apply or b where can you know people get more information anything along those lines that will help potential applicants in the next couple weeks absolutely yeah so the deadline is february 20th and the best way that i can honestly uh to tell people to find it right now is if you look just plug in the google rod campbell award the top um the top list on google will be from the racer.com article they'll have all the information for the fourth year that we're running the award who's involved uh, what we're looking at doing this year for the program a little bit. And at the bottom, there'll be a link to the application. So, you know, that'd be the best way to go about it. And then also if you 
if you Google, look at the other ones, you'll be able to see things that Madison has written about her experience last year, things I've written about my experience. Uh, if you look at the people involved in the LinkedIn pages, they'll all have things about the award on there. So uh, I know it's, you know, looking around a little bit, but that's the best way to get a good idea also about, you know, the people that are involved, you probably haven't heard of all, all of us. I sure. certainly didn't. So, you know, that'll get you a better idea too on who you're going to be spending your summer with. I think the last thing that I'd ask just for anyone listening out there is, do you have any advice for people applying? Like anything that you might recommend as someone who won, what, what would you suggest, uh, you know, to somebody out there who's <laughs> wants to be the next AJ? Yeah. Oh goodness. Uh, want to be the next AJ. That's, <laughs> that's something. Um, <laughs> uh, don't go to law school. Oh, I'm kidding. But, um, no, I love my school. Absolutely do. Truly do. But um, yeah, it's really just the willingness to learn the understanding that, you know, we're young people. And, and the cool thing too, about the people that are involved in the award, you know, they know that young people have a lot of really great opinions and that, you know, we have a lot of really smart kids, but also just knowing, you know, there's gonna be a lot of things that you do need to learn. Like I, you know, on my end, I didn't know anything on the commercial side of racing. It's something that it's been a joy to learn, but you know, you need to have that willingness to learn. But I think most importantly too, is that, you know, if racing is something that you really want to get into, like, Obviously, I think it's really intimidating trying to get into this industry. It's not something that um, is necessarily easy. But if it's something that you really want to do, you it's something that you really, truly have to commit to trying to make happen. That's something like, so for people that might not be familiar with law school, for example, just because this is, you know, my experience with it, you know, your first year, you're applying for internships for the following summer, you know, the fall before and that winter. I did a thing that was not quite smart. Didn't apply for a single conventional <laughs> law school internship because I was very determined to make the racing thing happen. So I'm not saying do that necessarily, but definitely, you know, if it's something that you realize you want to do, um, you know, putting yourself in a position and really committing to going for it is the most important thing. So if you don't do that, you're not, you're probably not going to make it. But if you do, it can be really rewarding and set you up for something for the rest of your life that you're going to absolutely love doing. I love it. Awesome. Well, sir, I appreciate you hopping on with us for a couple minutes here. I'll put the links in the show notes for everybody who wants to check out more. And yeah, where can people follow you? Are you on the are you on the social in the, in the social world for for people to follow along? <laughs> oh goodness, uh, yeah, very very small. I don't tweet a whole lot, but yeah, just search my name AJ Bate. Um, you know, you'll find me on you know the Instagrams, the Twitters, and. Uh, I guess LinkedIn, you know, have to get better at that, you know, <laughs> when you're in a professional world. Yep. So you can definitely find me there, you know, shoot me a message there uh, for sure. If you have any questions about the award or just generally getting the race, you know, I'd love to help people out in any way I can for sure. So awesome. Yeah, man. Thank I, you so much, guys. Appreciate yeah, you. No problem. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. See you later, man. Okay. Back to the rest of the episode. We'll do some news. Frenchie, I saw the Gran Turismo movie this weekend. The the one was that came that? out like in the summer. It was okay. I was pleasantly surprised it wasn't awful. They mixed in like some of the video game like graphics and on-screen things kind of in the movie, which was cool. Yes, 70% of the on-track stuff was filmed at Hungaro Ring and not you know, Lama or whatever they were saying. And it's really obvious at certain points to, you know, to those who know it, like girlfriend did not know what Hungaro ring was. So I told her, but 
Yeah, it was it was fine. It was it was fine because we watched it on Netflix and didn't pay. Like I think if I had paid to see it in the movies, I would have been kind of bummed. But yeah, I think it was a good. I think it was well done. It's definitely not like a bad way to spend my Friday evening or whenever I watched it. Where does it rank in terms of racing movies? Because it's the story of Jan Mardenborough, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. I I mean, listen, I still haven't seen Ford versus Ferrari. And oh, wow. That's actually a really good one. Yeah, I see. I've seen like parts on TV. I've seen the whole thing. So I, I probably can't really. I mean, it's better than Driven. So I don't know how much mm -hmm. that like really says, but. It's better than Driven. And, you know, the acting is good. It's 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 not a bad movie. It's just it's just it's just fine. Is it cheesy? Kind of a little like what I kind of got from the, the trailer. That's why I haven't seen it yet, but maybe I should watch it now that it's on Netflix. Yeah. All right, I'll check that out while we're kind of waiting for seasons to ramp up. Yeah. Okay, so let's touch on IndyCar news first, I guess, and then we'll get to discussing what our plan is moving forward with that other series that starts with an F. Yeah, so I I know this is like the last thing we mentioned before we hit record after talking to AJ, but let's start with the guaranteed entries because I think I'm going to make no friends in any any opinion here. So I'll let you describe whatever you want to describe about the actual news, and then we'll take it from there. Okay, so it came out a few days ago, I guess. Maybe it was at the beginning of the week, or was that last week that this came out? I think it was Monday, out? yeah. Okay, it feels like it's been longer than that because yeah. we're recording on Wednesday, and I thought it was last week already. But <laughs> all right, then. I think you're. I think you're right, actually. It's just been a long two days for some reason. But what we're talking about here is the idea that... Penske Entertainment, I guess, or the Penske Corporation could consider having guaranteed entries at the Indy 500. And that obviously is controversial because what a lot of people love about the 500 is the bumping and that the fastest 33 cars are the ones that make the field. We've had this before. I mean, under Tony George and the initial IRL, we had some guaranteed spots. What was it? What was the rule called? 25-8. Yeah, 25 and 8. That's right. Okay. I knew it was 8-something. But so that was, what, 25 guaranteed spots for the starters in the IRL, and then essentially yeah. 8 cars that came from anywhere were eligible to try and make the field and qualify. You probably saw all these people on the internet who were not okay with this idea even being floated. I feel like it's floated every few years. Yeah. Though. I would like to hear your take because I'm torn, honestly, about it. There's part of me that says kind of gut reaction. No way. You can't do this to this event. It's historic. This would take away from the excitement of the event. It's really important that we leave that tradition untouched because a lot of the Indy 500 is tradition and that's what makes it super special. On the other side, there's a whole business that needs to be run here and these full-time entries with sponsors need to know moving forward, right, that they're going to make the biggest race of the year because there's still plenty of people who don't even know 
there's an IndyCar series surrounding the Indy 500 as an event. Yeah, so my gut instinct Monday afternoon, which is when I think it came out, was, oh my God, no, that's terrible. Bumping is exciting, and bumping is exciting. It's pretty wild. It's, you know, but what? why are we stressing over bumping that's going to be one car at the most two cars? We're not going to get 37 to 40 total entries I mean, honestly, probably ever again. That's just not the way the world economy is going to work for, for racing. You know, in NASCAR, there is 40 total spots. I think the last four are kind of open for non-charter teams. We might have two or three that are bumped. But the NASCAR economy is significantly stronger than the, in, than the IndyCar economy. And a lot of these teams, yeah, the... Guys who were fighting for it to not be bumped last year were all were all you know full season, but the guys who are one-offs, do they make a big difference to the grand scheme of things in today's day and age in racing? No. Furthermore, IndyCar needs the money. These teams need the money. We need these teams to survive to help the longevity of the series. Otherwise, we're going to see, you know, Carlin come in for a couple of years, disappear. Yunkos come in, disappear. Now they're back. And I'm sure, you know, a Foyt and or who else? A Dale Coin or one of these other teams could end up, you know, losing a car or retracting just because, you know, monetarily, it just doesn't make sense right now. So we're spending a lot of money for not a whole lot of purpose other than, you know, some drama. And, okay, last year, the the bump day was a bit exciting. But in the grand scheme of the season, who was excited by bump day? Is it your casual fan? Is it the fan you're trying to bring into the sport? Is it the kids you're trying to bring into the sport? Is it the women you're trying to bring into the sport? No. It's the people who have been diehard fans their entire lives. So it makes, we need to, this is hard because I, I do, you know, listen, I grew up with bump day being obviously more than it is now, but I think it's time to let this tradition go in some capacity. Maybe, maybe there's some way they can compromise. Like if you get bumped or if you're on, if you have to qualify in bump day, you still get some sort of guaranteed purse or something, but we need to find a way to help these teams financially as the series grows, as we add new hybrid stuff, as we maybe add a new chassis or a new engine or international races or non-points races at country clubs or whatever, you know, we got to do, we have to do something. I, I'm pretty much convinced by that argument. I kind of see your point because while it is my initial visceral reaction to say, absolutely not, this would be terrible. This would alienate a lot of fans. When I sit down and really think about it rationally and a few days after this news was not broken because they're weighing it up, right? We don't even know if this is going to happen. This was just floated out there. The teams in the IndyCar and cart era, like the early IndyCar era, had sponsors that ran the whole season. 
I mean, we had Target cars, we had 7-Eleven, we had Snapple, we had all these kind of major household brands, right? Uh, I think, what did, what was Dario's other car? Like Canadian Club Whiskey that he had too. And like, Yeah, there were all these like yeah. major brands that were pretty much on the car for the entire season. DHL, right? We still have that, but it's not the same landscape, There are all these little tiny deals that get done for around here, around there with sponsors. And so for a company to see value, I guess, in the race and promoting IndyCar and joining IndyCar, they need to have that return on investment. And I think that's becoming more and more important for these brands. And I think the reality is if you want to see the sport continue... and continue to grow and flourish, we probably need to deal with that, right? That's about the health of the series. I just don't think bump day or bumping adds anything of positive value to either A, the business side of the season, or B, the season as a whole. Because at the end of the year, you know, when Hello and Co. were fighting for the championship in the last month of the year, who was talking about bump day? Sure, we talk about the Indy 500 and New Garden winning and New Garden celebration. And yeah, you know, kind of looking back on the season, you go, that was, you know, a crazy bump day. But is it a storyline to the season? No, not at all. Not for the brand, and it's not a positive Sure. storyline they want to be associated with. So I think for the brands and the sponsors that want to sign up for, for the full season, they get a ton of value out of the Indy 500. I mean, that's a major part of why they're doing what they're doing. That one weekend, couple weeks, you know, of coverage. So to have that guaranteed would probably make it a lot easier to sell that sponsorship to a company than... To have the risk of, ooh, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to sign with Ray Hall because last year they didn't make, they were, you know, one of their cars didn't make the field. So, yeah, it got a lot of attention and TV coverage, but it, it wasn't for the right reasons. So, you know, you've, you've got to look at it from both sides. And I think I totally get people's reaction of, wow, I can't imagine this changing, but. I mean, like you said, we're getting hybrids introduced. The people of 30 years ago would never have expected that and Oh, they could still, never have predicted that. they still don't expect it. Well, what about the aero screen? All these things that the, like, <laughs> yep, the, yep. I would say the old timers, the people who are really inflexible and unwilling to embrace any development or kind of newness in the sport, the sport's going to move on from them either way. So Yep. if you're a true fan, you will still love IndyCar and the Indy 500, regardless of what happens. I have to say, I was talking about this with a podcast host from another show and we were both laughing like oh people are going to hate us today you know when when we record respectively but i did not think you would one i i didn't think you would agree with me to the level you did and that's not like any judgment i just like wasn't thinking about it and i was like oh frenchy will frenchy will be mad No, I don't think there is, unfortunately, a valid argument for keeping bump day other than just an emotional one. 
And I feel that emotional one. But if you really step back and think about it logically and dispassionately, then you can see why this is being considered, I think, if you really, you know, take take a step back. I think that's a good way of putting it. Okay. Other IndyCar news that we've got is that Sebastian Weldon is going to join USF Juniors. So as we tweeted, I think this is another chapter in the feel-good story that, you know, feel-good story arc, redemption arc for the Weldon family that every IndyCar fan wants to see. You know, we'll obviously be following him, and I'm excited for this because, you know, he's got Gamebridge sponsorship, right? And the Andretti team kind of behind him. So if he's got the talent, which we think he does, he'll continue to make his way up. And this is only going to get more and more interesting. And the Oliver Weldon, the younger Weldon, just like mm-hmm. an hour ago, got announced in the Skip Barber Racing Series. I think oh, I didn't also even see with, that. Awesome. Also with Gainbridge support, I believe. I looked at that one as I was preparing for some job interview stuff. So I wasn't like totally focused on it, nor did I totally read it. Okay, what's next? Kyle Larson tested an IndyCar at Phoenix the other day. I think I saw that he ran 172 laps. Uh, I think it was some night running too, but he's just getting more and more comfortable. I guess at ease and kind of natural with the running of an IndyCar on an oval. We don't know much about how competitive he was, but I, I would imagine that the more practice he has going into the Indy 500, the... He probably doesn't need that much practice, right? He <laughs> races know, so I much know. and he just like is somebody who, everything. Yeah, it reminds me of a Tony Stewart or whoever that can just jump into a car and be competitive pretty much right off the bat. So practice for him is just almost an unfair advantage, but I love it that he's getting to do it. It did make it me probably votes well. It did make me miss Phoenix night racing. Agreed. Not that the track is great, but I was just like, oh man, that would be that would be ideal if if IndyCar was was there or Richmond. Yeah, that's where my my mind was mm-hmm. going the other night. But yeah, practice Kyle Larson getting practice time is an unfair advantage in any racing series because he's Kyle mm-hmm. Larson. Yeah. So pretty cool to see. I think <laughs> he he's just learning. And he's so talented, like you said, that him being able to learn and get accustomed to things will make it so much easier for him, even though he already makes it look easy. Yeah, exactly. Last piece of IndyCar news. I guess we're going to see the return of 100 Days to Indy on the CW, as well as Paramount Plus. Yeah, season one from last year is on Paramount Plus, or will be on Paramount Plus. Season two, not yet. Okay, but it'll it'll air on the CW and then probably make its way to Paramount Plus. I would that, w- that would be my bet, yeah. Yeah. So are you excited about this? Is I know uh, neither of us really tuned in very much for the first season. Do you plan on changing that for this second one? The only way only reason why it might change is because I would like for it to be a way to get my girlfriend kind of understanding who I have been interviewing and covering for the last seven years. 
am I going out of my way to what? No, not really. Not much. Not much is truly going to change, but you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm more open to it than I was last year because I didn't really care either way, but it's good that it's continuing. Yeah. I was going to ask you, do you think this is a good sign just for the health of the series in general and the interest sure. that this series got? Cause I don't think the CW would do it if it didn't offer some kind of a return for them. Agreed. It's, you know, if, if they're renewing it, it's, it's not a bad thing. I don't know how a renewal process works for a reality show, but in no way, shape or form is it bad. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, people who, who watched all of last season, I, I want to see kind of what they think versus season one, you know, if it's better or worse or different, you know, I, I that's what I'm most curious about. My last question for you on this before we move on to other topics is are we going to see the IndyCar community being like, ew, gross, that's a 100 Days to Indy fan person that just got into the series really recently and we don't like them? Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! How do I put this without sounding harsh? No, I don't think we're going to see that. There's a lot of reasons, but I probably can't say them without getting in trouble. So you it's no, I don't think so, because I don't think <laughs> no, I, I it was a loaded question. It was a loaded question, and I'm trying to be very political about this because I don't want to upset. Those who. Yeah, let's let's go on to the next one. OK, so that question leads me perfectly into our next topic which is formula one and i say hey. that with a weird voice because we put out a poll after 
the inevitable Andretti rejection occurred. <laughs> I will repeat, inevitable. It was telegraphed that that was going to happen. I know people were hopeful because Michael and Mario and others within that organization, and I guess Mohammed Ben Salam, who appears to live in his own universe, but we'll get to that in a little bit, <laughs> were convinced that they could somehow change the mind of Stefano Domenicali and F1 management and the teams. People were not happy with that. I mean, it's a bad look for F1. Don't get me wrong. It's a pretty terrible look because you opened the door and then... Well, we can get to the criteria, I guess, and discuss those. But yeah, you open the door, you invite teams, okay? You only approve one of them to move on in the process. Then you reject them anyway with very little grounds. I mean, <sighs> to be honest, this is exactly the storyline that I feel like we all could have seen coming. So the anger, I do and I don't understand. But where it's relevant to us is that we put out a poll saying, well, if you guys all feel like you're going to boycott F1, like we were seeing all over social media, yeah. you really don't like the direction that the series is going, which I can understand. I think sure. obviously most Mike feels that way. And we know that from the way he sort of, uh, not treated, but don't care. Yeah. Just completely detached himself from F1 last season. We asked our listeners on Twitter, which I know not everyone that listens to this show has Twitter or participated in this poll because a lot more of you saw it than actually put an answer. But 72% of people said they no longer want to hear F1 content on this show. Ooh. We have to decide what to do with that because I know you're checked out on F1. And so it mostly falls on my shoulders to even keep abreast of these things and bother <laughs> bringing them up on the show. And so I know there are people out there who probably still want to hear about it somewhat. And I think what we'll end up doing is maybe a lot less race to race Grand Prix coverage. Yeah. Maybe we'll mention a few big news things if as they happen and if they happen. But if we see a repeat of the 2023 season and Max Verstappen dominating, we're probably going to tone it down a bit if it doesn't make any sense for the majority of those listening to our show, if that's not content that they're seeking out. Yeah, I think that sounds great. Quickly on the Andretti thing, you and I have talked about it a ton. It's been talked about a ton. I'm only going to say one thing. Do you really think that email got lost in the Andretti spam folder? <laughs> and I'm just, this is a question I'm just going to leave out there and then we're going to move on. I'm not, I don't even need your answer. Well, I was going to read the criteria just really quick for anyone who maybe hasn't seen it yet. Yeah, go ahead. So we can pick those apart. The full statement that F1 released for why they rejected the Andretti entry. Basically, they said they considered the likely competitiveness of the applicant's entry and its impact on value. I don't think we need to equate competitiveness with value, because if you do, then pretty much eight or nine of your teams <laughs> in F1 currently don't have any value and don't contribute to the sport. And Red Bull's carrying the series on their back. Red Bull won and Ferrari. 21 of 22 races or 22 of 23 races, whatever it ended up being. So please don't, please don't talk to me about competitiveness. Exactly. We also have 
the arrangements with respect to the supply of power units and the arrangements that those would have on the applicant's competitive performance. I'm sorry, there are plenty of customer teams on the F1 grid. So this sure. is absolutely bogus. Um, we also saw something about key stakeholders to understand their view of the value that the applicant would bring. Well, F1, if you're like going all in on the United States, you have three Grand Prix here. I think you, and Liberty is an American company. So you would think that they might understand that the Andretti name is racing to most people in the United sure. States. Like sure. when you are asked to name a race car driver, maybe it's not Michael, but it's Mario. And he's involved with his team. I mean, it's him or Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. That he, everyone knows. Yeah. Right. That's what I would think. So that's a big miss. I don't know what more you need to bring in terms of value and just eyes on the sport. But the last thing is the operational impact of existing circuits of adding the 11th team. If you were concerned about that F1, you should never have opened this up in the first place. And I understand that Mohammed Ben Salam was the one that did it. And so I think a lot of this falls at his feet. I think he gave Andretti probably false expectations and, you know, overstated his power that he could make this happen for them or somehow convince the other parties, like, I'm a great negotiator. I can yeah. figure a way yeah. to get you into the series. And they, inv they invested so much money, so much time. I mean, this is like egg on the face of Cadillac, GM, Andretti. Like, it's not a good thing. And I, who knows what's going to happen, but uh, to be angry at F1 and Stefano Domenicali and the teams, I understand. Yep. But I also think, and everyone knows my feelings about him, that MBS, Mr. BS, <laughs> deserves a lot of the blame here. And I'll leave it at that because I'll say that's allegedly, I'm just making speculation. <laughs> but I would imagine that there's, there's some stuff that happened that he probably could have done better and could have prevented this from going as badly as it did. But like I said earlier, he lives in his own universe, it appears. Yeah, man. I think that's pretty accurate all around. Okay. And to 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 share my level of F1 disinterest, as soon as as soon as we started talking about the word F1, I started pulling up a game on my phone and forgetting that we were actually recording right now. So, you know. Well, that's going to inspire everyone to listen, but I have a few more pieces of news that I feel like we have to cover really quick. Yes, let's get to it. I'm I am focused and ready to go as I browse Twitter. So, we found out that Christian Horner has been accused of inappropriate behavior. I've seen and heard from individuals that would likely know that this may have involved sending inappropriate pictures to an employee within Red Bull. <sighs> we have to figure out if this actually happened, but I guess the parent company of Red Bull, GmbH in Austria, right, is yeah. working on this. This is not a good look for them as a business, and they are investigating this. Apparently, we are going to have some kind of a hearing set for Christian Friday, on right? Friday. Yeah. yeah. So I guess maybe as this is coming out, we'll find out something or maybe we'll hear about it before Red Bull's launch next week. That's what they want to do is take care of everything. 
But the big piece of news I think that matters here is we've heard that Christian Horner and Adrian Newey may have contracts that are tied to each other in a way that if one leaves the organization or exits somehow, the other would have the ability to do so. And so everybody's speculating, oh, Adrian's going to Ferrari, blah, blah, blah. Who knows what's going to happen there? But that's just food for thought. I don't know if we need to speculate on that. I think there's been enough of that on social media. Yeah, I think we can just leave it there. That's fine. Okay. Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari. He dropped a bombshell the day after the Andretti news. I don't think Lewis was necessarily instructed to do so or that there was a conspiracy there. But that was very convenient that some <laughs> interesting news that was positive for F1 and would excite people was dropped just the day after a major piece of news pissed off a, an like a large group of fans. That's that's rather convenient. It's far far too convenient. That being said, it is it was kind of cool. You know, as a one time big Ferrari fan when Michael Schumacher was still in the sport, it's somewhat exciting. I also that was <laughs> that was the morning. Like I woke up at like 3 a.m. and never fell back asleep. So I was just scrolling through Twitter and whatnot. If you look at like the screen time app on your phone, like my screen time that day was like 16 hours because I just oh laid gosh. there. And so like I saw the Hamilton stuff happening happening like in real time where it was like a rumor and then like a couple hours later it was like fully announced. So it was kind of interesting, but also far far too much of a coincidence to not there was yes you're you're right the last thing i guess i'll say on this is that he's starting with ferrari in 2025 so he's got this whole 2024 season still left with mercedes yeah clearly there was some kind of an option on his side where i believe he was under contract with mercedes but possibly he could take that option up or not and so from 2025 on, it's been said that it's a multi-year contract. It's going to be interesting to see a Charles Leclerc and Lewis Hamilton dynamic. Maybe back in 2025, we will be able to pick up our more in-depth yeah. F1 coverage again, just because this will maybe pull people back in. Who knows? Uh, but it's also led to speculation about who's going to take that Mercedes seat. I'm not going to necessarily get into that now. But I'm just going to say that I think there's a lot of speculation over that, which makes me happy because people doubt George Russell. <laughs> doubt that he can lead that team. Yeah, I knew that's where you were going with that one. That's why I, I sat here patiently just waiting for you to. Oh, it's predictable. To bring it up. Him and Mohamed Ben Saleh, you know, I'm going to not miss a chance to trip them up if I can or like yep. take a barb yep. at them. Last yeah. thing on yep. F1. Is there two more high-profile figures leaving the FIA? Oh, God. <laughs> more oh, egg no. on Mohamed Ben Salem's face. So it's two individuals who we've probably never heard of. Okay. Uh, they're kind of, I would call them behind-the-scenes figures. Yeah. But they're individuals who were involved with the Concord Agreement. So their names are... Pierre Ketterer and Edward Floyd. Floyd has two Ds, interestingly. 
But <laughs> Ketterer is going to take up a new role at the International Olympic Committee. Uh, he had been with the FIA since 2010. He, I guess, was essentially the leader of the negotiations for the current Concord Agreement, and he created the FIA disciplinary rules in 2011. Mm -hmm. So he's leaving. And then the other individual leaving, uh, Mr. Floyd. Mr. Floyd with I two guess, D's. Correct. Um, he will be going to... I don't know what he... Actually, it says what he's going to be doing. But he was the civil and commercial legal advisor to the FIA, and he was the lead negotiator for championship promoter agreements and Concord discussions. So these are two people who, I mean, had been in for a while, had played major roles in the FIA. And I take this as more damning evidence of Mohammed Ben Salam's incompetence and poor leadership, allegedly. Yeah, it's hard to disagree <laughs> with you, you know, going off of nothing. But, you know, it's 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 definitely hard to disagree with what you said. So, yeah. After right. so many people leave, I think that's a sign, right? I mean, it's hard to argue. We saw there's the pattern developing here. So maybe we'll uh, watch this with glee as F1 continues to go down this path. We're not even going to touch on what they're going to do with sprint races next season because we don't care. Nope. And I think that's pretty much it for our open wheel show. That's it, guys. Today. Not forever. That's it. that's it for this week. Thanks, AJ, for joining us at the beginning. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week to ramble on about other stuff. Who knows where it will go. Until then, toodaloo. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.